let's talk a little about. All right, so you ended the, the previous season yeah. with Selena finding love, getting her library, getting her legacy. She got everything she, she, thought, what, she right. wanted. But you then decided, in the, the arc, how did you map out the arc to show her destructive behavior leading to the finale? It was the sense that basically, even if she, as she made peace with her life, she made peace with no longer being president, she's a scorpion. And the second that window even opened a half an inch, she was all the way through that window and willing to throw it all away, and that's her. And once you sort of start what was this now final season, with that as an idea, if she's willing to do that, what else is she willing to do? And that was sort of the mindset. And what about Gary? Did you always land on what Gary's uh, fate was going to be? Uh, once I knew that I wanted her to do bad things, the idea of what's the worst thing she can do, uh, I guess in, in sort of, if you will, screenwriting parlance is, you have to shoot Fredo. You have to kill Fredo, because I could. You could say she did bad things. We could have her be a, a bad president. Who cares? None of it's personal. If it's not going to involve one of our characters, if it's not going to involve something that the audience cares about, it's worthless. So you shoot Fredo, and that's Gary. As we know, art imitates life, or uh, life imitates art. Did you know that the Jonah Ryan anti-vax thing would pay off for you so much? No. Uh, the, you know, it was an attempt that honestly started, boy, even two years ago, with more of a sense of, you know, how to approach the ongoing attack on facts, attack on science, not specifically, but our, our way into it. We used to live in a world where an expert was an expert, and now, Experts are ignored at our own peril, and we, that was our sort of our attack on it. And obviously, when we wrote it, we weren't sitting there going, "Oh, I hope there's a big measles outbreak." Uh, and it just uh, the the real world ceases to uh, surprise me. Was there any character end that you wrestled with, like which character you wanted to resolve? You know, because you had the great ending for uh, yeah Dan Egan, a lot of great endings. I mean, with, like with Dan, with Reed Scott um, and Dan. It, we, we, were, we knew we were in a very specific ballpark, and then real estate just seemed right. But we definitely, we, we obsessed on all of it. Uh, that's, you gotta obsess a little bit. I did like you, you, Richard, the one true noble character, delivered, like ultimately he was the embodiment of what a public servant should be. And that was always gonna be, and dare I say, in a, in a very dark finale, uh, it's a little bit of hope. What was the main inspiration for doing the show, and how did that first pitch meeting go when you explained it? <laughs> well, the inspiration was our personal lives, and I think it started because we went to a couple parties as adults and realized that we still felt like we were 13, all the insecurities, you know, were still very present, and um, and uh, what was the second question? How did the oh, how that first pitch meeting go? Like, how did they, you know, because it's kind of a, a very fascinating concept. Yeah, it didn't go great. The, the, the very beginning, really before pitching of meeting with like producers, and there were a lot of how will you do that? That's illegal, immoral, right? That's not going to work. Not possible. So uh, it pushed us to make uh, a presentation so that we could experiment and and prove it to ourselves. Even oh, does this work or not? Yeah. Now obviously it's it's very very funny, but you also have a lot of very serious teen issues you're talking about. You know, how do you balance a comedic versus not trying to shortchange the emotionality of it? I think that that's been something that's been scary since the beginning, and that's part of the surprise that 
people, you know, not being afraid that people might not connect with it because we're interested in doing both things. And the fact that people have has been really nice. And I think it's kind of a confirmation that some of the most tragic things there's still humor in. And that's kind of our um, point of view. We have a dark sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, the things that we feel the most ashamed about elicit humor and sadness. So. Yeah. And how is it acting with 13-year-olds? Great. Really good. Really good. They're great. <laughs> Better than us. So yeah. it's, it's, so, so, so they're more open and honest in some ways because yeah. they're children. And, you know. Yeah, and you, you also learn a lot by watching their behavior. I mean, it's yeah. right in front of you, so you can see how kids are, you know, trying to cover themselves up, and they hold themselves in particular ways, and you can just copy it. You know? So it's kind of helping you as a writer, too, every day, you know, going back to the writer's room. Oh, my God, that's a great touch. Yeah, and yeah. character choices, like yeah. little ticks here and there where, you know, Everybody has them at that age, and we still have them as adults, but they're just like really magnified at 13. So you're like, okay, we have tips, right. that's for sure. <laughs> well, thanks so much for stopping. Congratulations on the novels. So what was it like literally to get inside Janet's world? <laughs> uh, Janet's world, we've been promising that we would see in what's going on in there in a way for many seasons, many episodes. Uh, we felt really grateful that we would be the writers to get to help guide what we would see in there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I hope that the sci-fi aspect only enhances, you know, a lot of like fun, wild character moments and just, it was fun to, you know, see how it went. Now for you, well, let's talk a little about, like you also set up Chidi and Eleanor's relationship for this finale in this episode too. Uh, how was that kind of like setting up, which we know the inevitable finale of the episode turned into? Um, we felt really lucky to be able to have uh, the moments that happened between Chidi and Eleanor in this episode. Um, you know, it was sort of a, a linchpin in their relationship. It's one of the first times you're getting to hear Chidi's feelings, which he's kept inside and to himself for a long time. And, uh, um, you know, the, the, the moment was really uh, fun to film, even though it starts with... Uh, both of them being played by uh, Darcy Carden, um, and then it and she did an amazing job being them, and uh, and it and it, it felt really good, you know, uh, being there, having it turn into the actors uh, playing those characters, and uh, you know, it, I, we have definitely never been part of a, such a complex and layered uh, moment in TV before. So. Final question is, what was both your reactions to when you saw the finale and Chidi and Eleanor watching their love story be told, knowing that it was about to be erased? I mean, you know, we were right there with them. I mean, you know, we talk about uh, people on the internet shipping Eleanor and Chidi. I ship them. Like, I want to see them get together. If we didn't get to be part of the show and I was just out there watching this show, I would want these two to be together. So I was heartbroken and I knew it was coming. I'd known it was coming for months. They played the hell out of that scene and hopefully um, we'll see what happens in season four. See what did you think it was their performances for that scene? How did you react to their performance? I mean, it, I knew exactly what was going to happen. It still made me cry. Uh, they were fantastic. Um, and uh, both, both, uh, both Will and Kristen, like, are able to do so many things at once. And there's so many things going on in that scene. Uh, it's fantastic. So you have the great Margaret uh, Albert book as your baseline, and now you have a show. How has it been now that the show is getting its footing to be able to develop the show, you know, your characters more? 
It's been terrific. I mean, we've been able to really uh, develop and write for the characters as we've seen the uh, the, the actors really blossom with them. Uh, it's been really amazing being able to follow June on her journey as she's changed. You know, when we see her at the end of season three, and certainly and even in season two when we see her in episode Holly, she's so different than when she was at the beginning of season one. Uh, and that's just a journey we continue to follow her on now that we're beginning work on season four. What was the biggest challenge with writing that episode of Holly? Was there anything a little more tricky? Uh, well, Holly was really interesting because it's, it's definitely the most dialogue light of all of our episodes. Our episodes tend to be very spare anyway, but this one, you know, the episode aired a normal episode length, about 45 minutes. Uh, the episodes, uh, the script was only about 30 pages long. A lot of visual storytelling. Uh, we all are big fans of dialogue, but there was so much that our director and actresses were able to do uh, with visual storytelling that we didn't need to uh, actually fill it full of words for a change. Sadly, art sometimes imitates life and vice versa. How do you try to keep, because a lot of people are drawing comparison Handmaid's Tale to what sometimes goes on society today. Uh, how do you balance that where you want to incorporate that, but you also don't want it to be, if, you know, take away from the story of your characters? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, we're not a rip from the headline show. Uh, what we really try to do is stay faithful to the world that Margaret Atwood created uh, and follow June's story. Uh, it just so happens that some of the attitudes and policies that we're depicting are unfortunately held by uh, people in the world today. So we end up very... Uh, inadvertently being a bit of a funhouse mirror to a current society. So you just basically focus on your story and then not worry about the, that kind of noise. Yeah, we, we, we just focus on the story, but we do get some of these crazy coincidences, uh, which we, we promise we do not have a crystal ball. We wish that we did. <laughs> so you have a show that has a lot of fantastical elements, but also grounded in reality. How do you balance crafting that so the fantastical elements don't overshadow the emotional, but at the same time, vice versa, where you want to keep the fantastical thing because it's also very appealing? That's a great question. You know, I feel like... Uh, well done. I feel like uh, we were challenged by this a lot because if you can, if you get too much into the logic and the mathiness of something like this, you wind up with a very sterile story. I, I feel like so at a certain point we had to just keep tying into character, and then I feel like there was a point where we decided that we were going to let it be a little more dreamy and surreal and, and hope that the tone and the mood uh, would allow room to be universal and relatable and, and not have it be a, a math exercise, you know, in the end. Although I love math. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like sometimes you leave a show or a movie and you, uh, you're excited by the cleverness of it, um, but you maybe weren't moved by the content. And we really were hoping to, to get the latter, to get that place where you're feeling it with your heart um, as much as your head. Now, if you ever you nominated for her, how is it kind of crafting a show where there's maybe she's not alone? Uh, right. Well, we'll see about that. You know, she certainly wasn't in the first... Or teasing it. Right, we'll right. <laughs> well done, yes. Well, there are more. I, I only have a, a little sprinkling of my own ideas, and I'm hearing bits from Natasha, but there's going to be a lot to come. <laughs> How does it feel like you, 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 know, you and the rest of the writing staff wrote a character, now Natasha's also nominated for you. How does it feel as a writer when you're actually cast is also sharing sharing the time with you, the spotlight and everything like that. Right. Well, Natasha is just so, um, I mean, it's her story, her tone. Um, she's so much a creator of this that it's uh, it's in some ways different from other rooms where roles are more delineated. But she's such a singular presence. I just can't think of anyone who's really comparable to her. So I couldn't be more thrilled. She's amazing. Thanks so much. Uh, so if your episode you should nominate it for, 
what were the challenges of keeping the story real about Fuchs and yourself, but also having the fantastical elements of the fight scene, the, the daughter who's kind of a cannibal? <laughs> yeah, we didn't really think about it in those terms. It was just kind of tell the story, and then you kind of, I don't know, it's like cooking or something. You get in the edit room, or, you know, at every phase, you're kind of going a little bit more of this, a little bit less of this. You know, will that still hold, and, you know, things like that. But, um, uh, yeah, we didn't, I, I wish I had a better answer, but we didn't really think about it. How does it feel writing, uh, four of your colleagues were nominated for Emmys acting. How does it feel being the writer, creating those characters with your staff and your oh, co-creators? No, it feels great, but, you know, they, they did all the, the work. I mean, they're, they're great. You know, we, we can give them only so much, but they take it and to another place. So, I mean, it, they, they deserve all the credit. Sarah's performance in the finale was amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She's unreal. Yeah, she's unreal. Yeah, and that monologue she did in Episode 7 was unreal. And, and uh, everybody, Stephen Root and Anthony Kerrigan and everybody just, and Henry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for talking. I appreciate it. Thank you.